United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Mary Glantz is Senior Advisory for Russia and Europe and the Europe Center at the United States Institute of Peace. I was completely garbled that. I'm here to discuss a recent article on the G20. Mary, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Glad to hear it. So the G20, what, what really came out of that? I thought it was very interesting that Russia didn't attend, although, you know, <clears throat> why, why, would, why would Putin go somewhere where he would be largely unwelcome? Yeah, exactly. I think um I think first that Putin had a lot to lose by if if he did go. Um he's been we've been trying we've been seeing throughout the um throughout this crisis that Putin is really playing to the global south and we've been watching that in UN votes and things like that where it's really to his advantage to try and um try and press that Ukraine really, you know, the West is united behind Ukraine, but Russia is not isolated at all. And so he's been playing up the BRICS and um, other other of his global South allies. Mm-hmm. Um, going to going to the G20 would have would have really tested that. Would he actually? Would everybody have actually stood around him? And what we saw is that in fact they didn't actually stand around him. Um, <clears throat> Lavrov left early. Yeah, um, there were rumors about whether or not he was sick. Um, he <laughs> went to the hospital. He claims it was for a checkup. Maybe they don't do checkups in Moscow anymore, and he had to do that in Bali instead. But um, I, I, you know, I suspect, I suspect that this G twenty now the results were largely symbolic. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing really concrete came out of it, but the symbolism that came out of it was really actually quite, um, quite good for Ukraine. It showed that um that Russia was a lot more isolated than perhaps um we'd been led to suspect. So there was no uh actual communique, but there was a like a a statement from the G twenty right. members. Or G nineteen as we're calling it now, but you know, G20. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the communique um, there was no communique, but they did agree on a leader's statement. And in that leader's statement, they actually um, said that most participants condemned the war. Um, not all, obviously, because Russia was a participant and they're not going to condemn their own war. Um, and that was really sort of surprising because we've heard from behind the scenes that his BRICS, the Brazil, Russia, India, China group, South Africa, mm-hmm. um, they actually voted for most um several of them perhaps not china but they all they all voted in support of that statement in the leader's statement so that was sort of surprising given that we thought that they might be behind russia in this war well it seems mary like other than the iranians most countries who are on side with russia are merely tolerating the war rather than enthusiastically supporting it Right, that's definitely true. I mean, we saw Xi at the SCO meeting, um, Chinese President Xi hinted that this war had been going on too long. Modi, Indian um, Prime Minister Modi, didn't even hint. He came out and said that this war is going on too long and it's bad for the world. Um, And in fact, 
I saw some Indian diplomats claiming that the statement and the leader's statement where they said this is not the, the era for war. That is, in fact, what Modi said to Putin at the SCO meeting as well. <laughs> it's it's not a convenient time for your war. Can you just reschedule? Like that's just it's <laughs> exactly. Not a good time. It's not a good time. Exactly. Well, <laughs> he he meant he meant that this era. I mean, this is not like how we're supposed to solve problems anymore mm-hmm. in the 21st century. And it really, if you look at the global economic impact of it, and if you look at the food impact, the food crisis that a lot of countries are having, this really is hurting a lot of different countries. And for what? I mean, because Russia wants to conquer Ukraine, um, you know, (laughs) right? It doesn't make much. It doesn't make much sense. And you know, the initial the initial spin coming out of Moscow was that this was an anti-imperialist war, and that NATO is the imperialist power trying to take over Ukraine, um, and that was why the G20 was symbolic because we thought that um, that that was gaining traction in the in the part of the world that had been victims of imperialism. The U.S. isn't extremely popular, and so this narrative played well, um, and then we see. We see at this um, at this meeting that it's not playing as well as Russia and we thought it was. It's actually not getting the traction that we thought it was. I mean, taking a step back, Mary, um, all these world leader organizations, with the caveat that it's great that they get together and talk, like you, you mm-hmm. want that. Yeah. But w- do any of them have any leverage, any strength? Can they actually ever do anything or is that completely beside the point? I think the... You know, I think that's a really good question, and it's a, and it, and it's a complicated question because, on the one hand, a smaller group like the G7, which is pretty united, um, I mean, those are Western countries, and they have a lot of economic clout, obviously. And Japan. Um, they can put in Japan exactly, but we count Japan as Western in that sense. Um, it's it's a weird definition of Western, but it's basically pro NATO, pro US, pro um, that type of thing. Um, but they all, you know, they all basically they have the economic power to put sanctions on Russia and to put economic pressure on Russia. So that is something real. The G19 um, is a bit bigger; it's more diverse. But I think there could also, I mean. You know, it's it's really really hard to say, but I think it, it, right now this the symbolism is very important. But in addition, I guess they could put some economic pressure on Russia because Russia relies upon India and China for the economic support right now. Right, <clears throat> right. I think it's very interesting that Japan is rearming itself right now. Yeah, that yeah that is interesting. I'm not a Japan expert, but mm-hmm. um, I do know that that. What Russia has done has really shaken up a lot of countries. And yeah. Japan, of course, doesn't have a treaty with Russia after – they don't have a peace treaty from World War II. And they're still debating the northern territories, they call it, and the Kuril Islands, as the Russians call it. Um, and so the fact that Russia is so willing to settle disputes through force is obviously shaken and the Japanese. Um, I imagine that their rearming also has to do with China, um, but that's not my area of expertise. Really interesting. Mary Glantz is Senior Advisor for Russia and the Europe Center at the United States Institute of Peace. Mary, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you. Have a great day. You too. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.